0: Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis.
1: Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision making. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, a very warm welcome. Thank you. And thank you to our returning listeners for joining me and today's guest on on the show. Um, As you know, this show um, here, my guests and I create opportunities to share insights and information about how they arrive to the decisions they make every day in their specialized area of expertise. And we do that because we look to create connections between my guests' experiences and the challenges you faced in your role, so that you're able to make better judgments and arrive to more accurate business decisions faster. What I love about what we do here is that no matter what expertise our guests have, we can always translate it into nuggets of wisdom that you can employ in your everyday decision-making. Like we did last week, for example, with guest Colin Gray, a very talented professional writer of political speeches, company reports, and any other formal business communications, whom I'd like to take this opportunity to thank for sharing great content, great advice on how you can make your messages have more impact and clarity and achieve ultimately the goal um, of the communication. We're discussing today another great topic, one that all of us can easily relate to how we make judgments and take decisions by consulting our emotions. And here to discuss this week's topic, I feel privileged to welcome to the show psychologist Dr. Andrew Scholl, a member in good standing with the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Welcome to the show, Dr. Scholl.
2: Thank you, Laura. Good morning.
1: Good morning. It's great to have you here and I'm absolutely delighted that you accepted my invitation to feature on Because There's More. Of course, firstly, because of your accomplishments uh, as a professional and because of the brand you represent as a person, something that I'll share more uh, with the audience shortly, but also because of the very different perspective you bring to business decision-making. And you and I talked about this many times. But let me just share a few things about uh, you. Um, You began your private practice shortly after you earned your doctoral degree in 1993. And from that point, you went on to specialize in clinical and rehabilitation psychology, marital counseling, and working with adolescents. Today, your organization has offices located throughout the greater Toronto area and a complement of over 60 psychotherapists. Wow. And one doesn't need to know you for long to feel your caring and compassionate character, your broad and very deep professional expertise and experience, and of course, the passion and dedication you have for what you do. And I know this firsthand. As a long-time member in good standing of the Ontario College of Psychologists, you have conducted assessments and provided counselling for a diverse population of individuals and couples, have supervised a number of psychotherapists in their work, have served on many clinical competency examining committees for advanced doctoral students, and have supervised PhDs preparing for registration with the college. in addition to all that, if it wasn't enough, um, you are a part-time faculty member of York University and have been teaching in their Department of Psychology for over twenty years. When do you have time for all this?
2: I somehow manage.
1: <laughs> you obviously manage very well because um, knowing you, um, the you know, to the extent that that I know your profession with work together. Um, I, I know that there is nothing that you do that you don't give your absolute 100%. So um, everyone who interacts with you in one capacity or another is very um, um, lucky to have you. And and I'm going to add to this list uh, something that what I call, you're also a shadow tab advisor. And, and what I mean by that as a member of the college uh, obviously you couldn't be affiliated with TAB directly but that doesn't prevent you from supporting me in, in my work and, and uh, kind of vicariously um, uh, helping um, the clients of TAB. So let me ask you, as I have asked all TAB advisors who uh, join me on the show, how would you describe TAB? I mean how do you see it in your own words? And what kind of benefit do you believe it brings to the business world? Um,
2: well, my understanding, uh, Laura, is that TAB is, is a collection of um, individuals who offer consultation uh, to businesses, uh, but in a slightly different way than than is typical. Um, typically, uh, businesses reach some kind of crisis point, they're struggling, um, and they seek outside consultation, uh for ways to resolve uh whatever struggles or conflicts they may be having. Um uh, whereas TAB um it forms more of an ongoing relationship uh with um a business uh in in order to get to know that business to form a, to form uh, a much more solid understanding of the inner workings of that business and provide more ongoing consultation as a way to avoid crises. Um, so that's, that's probably the biggest difference in, in my understanding of what you're trying to do um, is rather than respond to crises uh, and help um, businesses work through them, um, yours is more how to avoid crises, how to establish a good decision-making model.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you and I talked about this. I couldn't thank you enough for for uh, bringing this perspective because it is, without a doubt, of, of everyone that I talk to, uh, you are the only person who um, sees the great value in that because of the profession you are in, uh, whereas in the business world, we, we have um conditioned ourselves to to be so so responsive to what happens. And although we talk about strategic, being strategic and being planful, um, the the way executives think today, the way the business world thinks today, it's still very much related to what's going on today, how can we solve it, and, and, uh, you know, what do I need to do, and then kind of move on. Whereas Someone with your expertise and the work that you do can easily see uh, the value of having something long term where the person and mm-hmm. the organization continues to strengthen itself uh, over time. So let's go back to you. Um, we know that this show focuses on decision making. So let's talk about some of the decisions you made about um, um, and how you arrived to where you are today. How did you decide to become a psychologist in the first place?
2: Well, it, it actually started out somewhat accidentally. Um, I was planning to be a teacher and, and looking forward to a career there, but um, in my final year of undergraduate, I took a course in counseling psychology, um, and, and it hit me like a ton of bricks what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to work with people. I knew that I wanted to help with help people, um, but I really saw that uh, it was more going to be working with individuals um, that fit better with me. So I sort of shifted gears a little bit from pursuing a, a career as a teacher into pursuing graduate school in psychology, um, and just went the counseling clinical route from that point forward.
1: Yeah. And and you said you just said that it hit you like a ton of bricks. Tell us more. What what was it about it? Like what what stood out for you that caused you to just take this uh, radical turn?
2: Well, I think it was just a fascination with with people, trying to understand people, um how we work, um how we work effectively, how we don't work so effectively. Um, that uh, I just found very, very intriguing, and, and also very intriguing that there's been so many people over the years, and this is what I learned in that course, who have developed dramatically different ways of, of helping. Um, and, I, and I think there are many different effective methodologies. Uh, so that the, the, the fascination with um, the different ways to approach helping an individual, helping the individual grow, helping them deal with themselves, overcome whatever barriers they are having, um, and that I could kind of find my own voice for that, my own unique um, take on how to do that most effectively. I found that an interesting challenge um, and, and very exciting.
1: Yeah. So uh, you've just mentioned that uh, through your uh, throughout the the course and the schooling that you, you took, um, you realize that there's so many different methodology uh, methodologies. Just out of curiosity, what is your perspective? Would you typically uh, say that you uh, profess or or practice some more than others, or, or what is your preference in how you um, uh, how you help people? Um, and also like. What motivates that
2: preference? So I'm asking several questions at once here. Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, in terms of my my preference, it, it, there's different schools uh, and underlying philosophical um, backgrounds that that define different methods, and so I, I adhere probably mostly to what's called a humanistic school. It's, it's, it's a belief in our our wisdom, a belief in our our uh, free will, um, that we can make decisions, we can choose what to do. Uh, we're not driven by, uh, you know, unconscious forces beyond our control or environmental factors beyond our control, which are, you know, sort of underlying principles of other models. The, the humanistic model uh, really puts at the forefront people's um, ability to choose, and, and, and it's a belief that we all have in us, The potential to be our best and how to free somebody to be their best is what I strive to to do. Rather than tell somebody how to be, um, from my vantage point, it's more how to help them be who they are most fully. And that's kind of the underlying humanistic uh, principle that I Mm -hmm. follow
1: and and you know it's interesting because this is the first time I'm asking you this mm-hmm. um and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking wow how fitting is it to what uh what I do and what Tab does and uh, yeah. that's exactly what uh, uh and that's why uh, you fit in so well into the discussion and uh, into what Tab uh, uh, proposes as as a model um I said earlier that you uh, built your practice, started building your practice in 93. It's grown to quite a big practice. Yes. Did you set out to do it that way? Did you envision actually, that?
2: Sorry. No, I actually did not set out. Uh, you know, uh, I just kind of went with, um, with the flow. I kind of joke that I, I'm not great at saying no. So when work kept coming my way, rather than saying, no, I'm too busy, well, let me get somebody that can work with me, that can take on that extra work. Um, And then as different people with different languages were being referred to me, well, I can't do those, but let me find somebody who speaks that language. And then I'm getting um, business referrals from different, from Scarborough or from Brampton, not near where I live personally, uh, rather than saying, no, um, well, how can I make that work? So let me find people, let me get some space, um, in that area, and so it just kind of grew that way. And I think, uh, you know, I've just surrounded myself with incredible people um, who make me look good, and and are really an extension of the same underlying um, attitudes and um, I think values that um, make me feel very comfortable. Just a, a large extension, and it's just kind of grown organically. Um, I've had to kind of more recently rein it in because it was getting a little too much. Um, but uh, but that's really was never really a plan i I Mm -hmm. just kind of went with it and tried to manage it as well as i could as as, along the way
1: yeah interesting very interesting and and very inspiring to many people who like myself are are um, striving to build a a business um one of the things that i I wanted to um, ask you what would be the uh what were the key challenges or the biggest challenges in growing as a business. And we only have like two minutes to the break. So maybe just a summary of what would be uh, something that you found more difficult in, in building that because it sounds like you love doing it anyway.
2: Yeah, I do. I think the biggest challenge is really the business side, um, mm-hmm. managing money and and making sound financial decisions. Um, uh, The people part I feel very comfortable with and and, and skilled at in terms of recognizing really good people um, and and, and recognizing the limitations of what I can do, whom I can work with. and uh, th- that side, so the psychology part, but i 'd say the biggest challenge was more around the business, about knowing when am I st- making good decisions what 's a reasonable amount to pay for this what 's a reasonable amount to pay for that? and I just did a lot of trial and error, not always making great decisions, sometimes um, overstretching myself, um, not always do I was a handshake person at the beginning uh, i didn 't have anything in writing with. People that were going to be paying me money, um, and and that worked out most of the time. But there were times when it was a it was a problem. So I think the, the adhering to sound business practice and and money management practice would have been my biggest challenges uh, because I had no formal training in that at all, and mm-hmm. that was uh, that was difficult to um, you know make good decisions in some ways I did, I think I made over-emotional decisions because I, I just I wanted to do something, and I'll deal with the other part later, and I think that yeah. was uh, a mistake
1: some of the yeah. time. Yeah. Interesting, uh, and we'll talk about the uh, emotional part of decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any resources available to you to, to help you?
2: I had like- some mentorship, and I had a couple of uh, people when I first graduated, I kind of worked in there in Private practice as an associate there, so I learned a little bit there. I was able to consult uh, with people who had been doing what I wanted to be doing for for a lot longer, um, at least in terms of running a private practice um, and at one point, but only probably close to ten years into my business, did I actually hire a consultant um, mm-hmm. somebody to help me because um, the business had grown so much, but now I had to manage it. Um, so I made use of some of the resources that are out there uh, in terms of business consulting um, and mentorship early on in my career.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's great because it's uh, uh I'm ne- I never uh, cease to be amazed by how applicable this uh, uh what I've built is and and how valuable it's for any profession any capacity yes. to actually have access to uh, a resource a, a qualified uh, uh, resource for advice. Uh, yes. We only have like less than a minute to the break, so okay. uh, we're going to take a commercial break now, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes to talk more to Dr. Scholl about his craft and uh, uh, discuss in more detail the impact of emotions uh, on decision-making. So don't go away, and we'll be back soon.
2: When it comes to business,
0: you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisors' expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions ask tab ignite to work for you at tab ignite at trusted advisory board dot com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company do you believe in the value you bring to an organization have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business let tab advance be your personal advisory board and help you make different better decisions about your career Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now back to Because There's More. Hello,
1: I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision making. And today I'm here with Dr. Andrew Scholl, a psychologist. We are here to talk about the impact of emotions uh, on our uh, decisions. And if I was to name, um, from my perspective, the number one culprit um, in taking leaders to poor decisions is probably uh, when they make choices and form opinions that directly express their feelings rather than the objective fact. And that often happens without even knowing uh, that they're doing uh, so. And Dr. Scholl, you just said before the break that in um, uh, growing your own business, earlier on when you were had uh, less... Um, expertise and experience of running a business, you know, the financial side of running a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made decisions um, based on your emotions and some of those decisions were actually uh, the wrong, turned out to be the wrong decisions. Any any examples that you can give us to that so we can then discuss to a greater extent this topic?
2: Yeah. yeah, well, for example, you know, one of the things I mentioned, it, it, it feels good to trust people to take them at face value. I, I much prefer to have that kind of view of people. Um, that uh, if I say something and they say something, we're both being honest, and 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 I can trust it. Um, and I like it, it. Feels good to to uh, make contracts just based on handshake. And that was an example where. Um, I went with the good feeling that I thought oh putting it in writing, it kind of um it, it, it adds another layer and level that isn't as friendly um it's it's more cold business like or something like that um so I would tend i tended to do these handshake deals um and as it turns out it, uh, even though most or many worked out fine. There were a few where it was a problem because we either remembered things differently or um, the person simply was not um, accountable for uh, paying for things because they said, well, you know, prove it. We didn't have something in writing. So I think I went with I want to have the kind of relationships that are just open and trusting and informal, uh, because that feels good rather than um, doing something that is more sound business practice. Let's get things in writing. Um, Let's have an agreement between us. So it's very, very clear. And there's accountability and commitment through that rather than simply trusting. everyone. If somebody says they're trustworthy, then they're trustworthy. I don't know if I'm making sense.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and you know I'm I'm nodding because I'm thinking of uh, of myself, and I often quote here um, um, things from uh, the books and the research in uh, in decision making, and and uh, uh, one of the early uh, scholars who actually uh, worked in um, uh, emotions in decision making, Paul Slovic, uh, he said that uh, he identified the fact that people form uh, opinions and make choices that directly express Their feelings of uh, like and dislike. So often we make uh, decisions on what we like rather than uh, what we think about the the decision uh, we make and you know as you were talking I was thinking of myself my my specialty my training my expertise and experience is uh, using uh, psychology and uh, uh, testing uh, to determine um, uh, the fit of a person to a job uh, then clarifying their role expectations so I've been helping clients to do that for years and years and years and here I am ready to uh, hire a couple of people and I did absolutely none of that. Uh, I I like the people, but I made no inquiries into their background and how how strong their expertise was in the field I was hiring them for. Um, we started working, and I drew no role accountability. And and it's just like it could have been. Uh, it, it went from bad to worse, and I have to take responsibility for it because uh, I should have known better. But I made the decision, and every decision, step by step, I made it on the fact that. Um, I like the people. I like the people that I, I talk to. So how do you describe the connection between uh, the work that you do um, and and how your clients make either personal or business decisions? Perhaps a lot of the people, and you can tell us more, but uh, I'm assuming that a lot of people come to you um, let's say at least uh, the onset for, Personal reasons, but how have you found that uh, uh, your your clients' uh, emotional state affect how they make even business decisions and all sorts of decisions?
2: Um, well, you know, I think it depends upon the emotional state. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of times we think, you know, extreme emotional states, and and when we're not in balance. And I think what I see is is probably a very typical problem among individuals making personal choices or business choices is that they're not in balance. They're, they're connected to one side or the other, uh, either an extreme sort of negative emotional place of fear, um, even panic, um, or uh, they just feel good and they want to feel good on the other side and they're not, there's no balance, there's no sense of caution um, or something that will help temper their choices or slow down their decision-making. Um, so I think the, the, it, it, it's kind of when the, the person is out of balance on one side or the other. Um, they don't have all the information. They don't have all their own internal resources um, mm. and their own internal wisdom to make sound decisions, sound choices. So people leave marriages sometimes when they're really angry. They're in mm-hmm. an extreme place or, or, or you know, they, they hire somebody that, just, that they, they really like. It feels good. And they don't have, as you just said, that caution. Hold on a second. I really like this person. That's nice. But let me consider other possibilities that just because I like them, maybe they're not okay. I should have a healthy dose of caution or even fear when it's not overwhelming um, to slow my decision down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and and I love the uh, the word that you use, the balance, because um, you know I often hear, and I don't know what your experience is, but because I work with businesses directly, uh, I uh, um, I often observe or hear that emotionality is seen as a negative in the workplace. It's almost like one is expected not to display um, any emotions uh, at work, which uh, Makes me uh, smile. That's on the good side. But um, I actually feel bad that people imagine that we can operate uh, without emotions. But what you said makes the point that it isn't the emotion in and of itself that it's uh, uh, bad for us. On the contrary, um, it's actually the extremity of either emotion, happiness or joy. In fact, the, the one that you, uh, the other word that you used, the the healthy word. Uh, there's actually research that uh, has observed that people who do not display the appropriate emotions before they make uh, decisions, and, and those are people who mostly had uh, brain damage through accidents, they actually make uh, have an impaired ability to make good decisions because being guided by a healthy fear um, of, uh, you know, when you make decisions so you can see the bad consequences is actually uh, a very good thing. So that's a very important point, I believe, that you made uh, there. Yes, um, yes, Do you see people, how, how would you evaluate people's coping mechanisms with their emotions? Uh, are they aware? I mean, I, I think that when we're distressed, we are probably more aware that we're in a, um, a extreme emotional stress, perhaps, than when we're extremely happy. What, what's your observation? Typically? Well, uh, you know, I
2: think when people are in a a quote-unquote negative emotional state, they're distressed, um, they're anxious, um, things like that, they tend to want to make decisions to feel better. I don't like what I'm feeling. I'm feeling very stressed. I'm feeling very angry. I'm feeling very anxious. Um, And the motivation in the moment is, how do I feel better? I want to feel good. Not necessarily I want to do good uh, because, you know, every emotion is communication. Um, and I think we make the best decisions when we listen to all available data, including our emotions. Rather than rejecting them, how do we get over them? How do we overcome them? How do we make friends with and how do we understand them um, and, and respect that they're telling us something? Um, and And that's again I'm not sure if I'm answering your question you um, are but but i'm you know want uh, people i try to help people not move away from don't if if the goal is just to feel good um you're going to make decisions that are usually not very well informed that are not balanced um yeah because yeah. you're, you you y you see this as just this aversive thing this negative like even the whole idea of positive and negative emotions i think is not a great way of looking at it because um it 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 implies you know if something's negative we should overcome it um and it's just more about what they how they feel some yeah. feel good and some don't feel good Um, but doesn't mean that the ones that don't feel good should be ignored or should be somehow crushed or overcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you know how uh, I keep saying that uh, I I love what I do and uh, I love those conversations because um, I I look or hear what uh, or, or listen to what I hear and then I'm trying to package it um, in a way that it's helpful to to my clients and right. uh, if I was to summarize what you said um, uh, everything you said which is like so much richness in what you said but I would extract uh, a number of things but the first The first one would be when we are under uh, emotional um, extreme stress, especially uh, duress or anxiety or fear, our tendency is to do things and make decisions that make us feel better, not do better. I'm going to post this on, on you know on my website for all my clients and send it all because it is absolutely true that that's what we do we want to get rid of the emotion rather than make the decision and include the emotion in the in the decision making um, I think that's that's huge um, what you uh, also said is um and I couldn't agree with you more about the, um, the nomenclature and positive and negative emotions uh, and the fact that you don't agree with it because it sets us up to look at things in a certain way that is actually wrong. How would you help people um, reframe it? How would you reframe it for listeners who don't have uh, your background and how would you say differently? <laughs>
2: Well, I, I think, as I said, emotions that feel good or don't feel good, uh, and try to help people see many examples where we, where we have fear, and it's very, very good that we have fear. We won't uh, go uh, try and uh, go rollerblading on Highway four hundred one because we're <laughs> afraid. Um, good. Um, sometimes we're afraid of things we don't need to be afraid of, but I would try to help people understand that it's healthy. You know, we're we're given this gift as humans to have this incredible range of emotion. Why would we reject some and say, well, these are bad? Uh, These are things that we should overcome, we should get rid of, we shouldn't be feeling that. Um, So I I try to help people see the value um, of their quote-unquote negative emotions. Um, while acknowledging they don't feel good, they're unpleasant, typically. Fear is not usually a pleasant emotion. Um, nor is anger and other ones that, you know, are typically called negative, um, but try to help people uh, fully experience them. And, and it's when I work with people often, it's, you know, it's okay to stay there when someone's having that negative emotional experience. Let's learn from it. Let's fully experience it. Let's realize it's not dangerous. Uh, it cannot harm you. It might hurt, but it cannot harm and, and get people comfortable with their, the full range of who they are. Um, now they can access that and see it's telling me something. I don't have to listen to it by itself. Sometimes it's too extreme. Sometimes it's not based on anything rational. Um, but it's only through my comfort with that experience that I can arrive at uh, uh, an appropriate decision about how much to use or listen to that emotion.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing. I I think I have like flashes of uh, clients' faces and and what I would probably say to them right now uh, based on the discussion that you and I are having. And of course, time flies and we have about three minutes to the break. But what I wanted to ask you, one could say, well, it's great when people come and spend time with you because you create uh, an environment of safety and comfort and people can explore those emotions. What would you recommend to people uh, who are are in the organization in front of uh, of their boss or a colleague and and there is this um, uh, extreme uh, emotion overwhelming them how would you how would they apply uh, what you've just advised like you know stay with it uh, don't run away don't act just to feel better about what you're experiencing or to eliminate it
2: well I mean it- it, it depends on the severity i i you know I think a lot of what I try to teach people is you need to practice this away from game time situations, so when you 're in that board meeting and the emotion comes up you 're now kind of in in the midst of you know the heat is on in that moment it 's very, very hard to react i mean in that moment, I would just tell people to stop you don't need to do anything you don't need to say anything you just need to stop and breathe and and and, and you know pe- people somebody's in extreme emotion treat it as urgent and emergency i must do something and usually no we we don't need to do anything in that moment but preparing for those moments is really what it's about so away from the game time away from the time when the heat is on i need to practice uh, in situations that are less stressful, um, less heavy, um, it's like working on my my backhand in tennis. I don't, wo- you know, that's my difficulty for me. I don't work on that just in a tournament. I actually go and I practice away from the tournament. So when I'm in the tournament, I've now worked on it, and and it's I'm in better shape to hit a good backhand. So I think it's what we do away from the heat. Um, in our relation with, with these so-called negative emotions is much more important. In the heat, I would just say, pause, stop. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to do anything. 99% of the time, there is absolutely no urgency. Yeah, Nothing yeah. needs to be done.
1: And that's that's great advice. And we'll talk about it more uh, after the break, because once again, we're very close to having our second break. And uh, okay. uh, once again, we will be going away for a couple of minutes, uh, but we'll be back to discuss that in, in more detail and, and uh, learn from you whether your clients typically do a lot of the homework. We always admire athletes, but we, we uh, don't learn from them to practice well before uh, the day of the event. So don't go away. We'll be back in two minutes.
2: The boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisors' expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask TAB Ignite to work for you at TAB Ignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company.
2: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to ellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More.
1: Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. And I'm here with Dr. Andrew Scholl to talk about the impact of our emotions on the quality of our decision-making. And uh, I... Absolutely love the discussion we are having. Uh, during the break, I was telling Dr. shoulder that I'd love for him to come back and we can perhaps uh, elaborate further on uh, on some of the discussion. He hasn't said yes yet, but um, it, it, it is uh, an important topic to discuss because Our emotions. I think that um, uh, one of my colleagues did some uh, research for one of the workshops she organized. And uh, uh, I think what what actually happens uh, at um, a physiological uh, level, the first response that we have to anything, um, it's primarily emotional, even though we don't realize it. So it's a much bigger uh, area uh, for us to be aware of than, than we actually are. And having someone like you, Dr. Scholl, to, to share with us insights and give advice, it's absolutely um, amazing. Uh, you said just before uh, the break that uh, uh, what um, uh, what needs to happen really for us to be able to be more comfortable with our emotions, extreme emotions in certain situations so we can make better decisions is really to practice uh, in advance before the game, uh, as you said. Do you find that your clients or, or to what extent your clients practice uh, while they're away from you and outside of their workplace. How do you uh, find that? Uh,
2: I think there's a lot of variation there. I think um, some take it very, very seriously and spend a lot of time um, on a daily basis, which I, I recommend, um, and they really follow through on that and, and they reap the rewards. Um, others uh, don't. Um, they uh, say they will or they believe in it but they split when, when they're outside of the I guess maybe the safety of, of the therapy room um, they they tend to simply resume their life as 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 before um, and, and then everything in between so I, I don't know if there's any um, single uh, response to that except to say there's a lot of variation but clearly, the, the people who tend to improve the most tend to be the ones who practice. Absolutely. I think there's a Absolutely. high correlation between those two.
1: Yeah, yeah that's great. And, and let me ask you a question that has popped up um, in, in uh, other situations. Do you see differences uh, between genders in how people both... Um, uh, you know how they deal or cope or the coping mechanism or the readiness to uh, and if you do what are those differences because we often hear and I do uh, I often hear in the corporate environment that uh, uh, it's more likely those comments uh, comments are being made about women women being too emotional than they're being made about uh, uh, men so what's your experience? Well
2: you know, this is a question I get asked all the time, and I, I'm kind of a bit um, of a of a loner in this one. I don't see particularly differences between men and women on emotionality. Um, I, it's certainly a cultural stereotype. There's no question about that. It has long been believed that you know women are are more emotional and and and, and more comfortable with their emotions, but also make more emotional decisions, and men are more rational. Uh, maybe less comfortable with their emotions uh, and make more rational choices. My experience is that there's virtually no difference uh, between the genders. There's such—I uh, often express it as—there's a wider range of variation within each group than between the groups. So there's there's a vast differences in in the way men handle emotions is among just men, and there's vast differences uh, among women in terms of how women. Uh, manage emotions, and then you bring in cultural variables, and now we 're in a very multi multicultural society um, uh, it It complicates it even further um, so i don 't see a big difference. I understand that the stereotypes are still there i I, I agree with that, yeah. but very often stereotypes are um, not um, accurate they're, they''re just based on history momentum from the past and they 're very very re- resistant uh, to change, um, yeah. but my experience when i 'm dealing with couples particularly um, they often want to frame things as men versus women, and I find um, virtually no difference differences between the two in the end, even though yeah. initially it could appear that way
1: yeah yeah and and I love the, uh, uh, you saying that because um, it it actually uh, sets more of a uh, uh, playing field in 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 the workplace as well. Like you, um, I tell my clients whether they're uh, women or or men that there are actually fewer differences um, in in how people feel. And and the the topic of uh, uh, confidence uh, comes up uh, a lot. And and the topic of confidence and self esteem and self worth. Uh, Often causes, and I'm sure, uh, you can tell us a bit about that as well, but often causes extreme, um, emotions in, in people. But I tell my clients that, um, I find no differences in terms of, uh, people's self-esteem between men and women, uh, and therefore their emotions and, and reactions to, uh, to events. What I do, however, find, uh, uh, some differences, it, it's, Perhaps in the overt behavior, sometimes um, just um, knowing that uh, 85% of uh, all executives in the world, but for sure in North America, are male, there is more of a stereotype of what the successful executive needs to be like. So, um, those aspiring um, to have that role also aspire to, to fit the the stereotype, and that's why probably um, we expect we are more exposed uh, to to men's behavior, or at least in the corporate world, then we're exposed to women behavior to actually even make a valid statement, right? Uh, uh, Again, another trick of our minds uh, called availability heuristic. If we can think of more men uh, who are not emotional, um, and of course, then we'll say they're not. And then we have a handful of women executives only. And if two or three of those uh, demonstrated emotions, then we're tempted to to say that um what would you uh say about how individuals uh work in teams because that's another uh important topic most of the time executive teams have to work together and as we talked people make decisions based on what they like what they dislike how they feel um what do you think about that and what would you recommend for executive teams to work better together.
2: Yeah, When I look at, at teams, and, I, and I've done very little work uh, with businesses, I, I have consulted on a few occasions years ago, um, but there's one main difference that I, I often see when, when I think about groups um, that has a dramatic effect on their overall function. Um, some groups have what I would call a competitive spirit, That each individual wants to assert themselves, here's how I see things, here's who I am, here's what I know, and the next person, well, okay, that's what you know, but here's what I know and here's how I feel about it. And each person is, in in a sense, in competition for um, having their opinions accepted, having their perspectives valued, um, and searching to to feel good about themselves through competition with, with others versus um a dynamic that is much more cooperative um, where I don't see another person uh, having an opinion in any way uh, have anything to do with my opinion it's additive rather than it's me or you it's me and you and together we are stronger and and groups that have that dynamic that kind of trust and openness toward each other um, tend to cooperate much better, rather than that competitive, um, I need to somehow assert myself and um, see when somebody else comes up with a great idea, uh uh-oh, that's not good for me, now I have to work harder to impress, to somehow keep my position in the group.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that absolutely does happen, and and again, I mean, we're talking here about uh, the elite, because uh, the people who achieve high levels of responsibility in organizations are very competent, hardworking, determined, ambitious. So uh, it's it's something that, uh, uh, you know, being competitive and, and driven and uh, looking at uh, the environment as a background for competition is most of the times what has allowed them to succeed. Uh, so it's kind of difficult to take it out of them when they work in a group, or at least that's what I observe. How would, in your opinion, and I know you said you didn't do a lot of work with organizations, with corporations, but how would you advise people to get there? Because one of the, what, what I notice is that, uh, um, you know, collaboration is becoming one of the uh, words, the right word to use in, in organizations, yet Teams are no more collaborative today than they were last year when the word was not part of their competency uh, model.
2: Yes. So I'm not sure if I understand the question, Is you know, how to uh, try to achieve this.
1: Yes, how, how in, in a situation, because saying to people, if you're more collaborative, you, you get more. Any, any other way for people to look at it so they can choose that collaborative mindset deliberately uh, rather than just be uh, an indication or, or direction from the organization?
2: Well, one thing that, that uh, I think that I noticed that some groups do together, and I often do this exercise with my students at York, uh, really distinguish between what I would call idea generation versus idea evaluation. And when, when a group is able to be in a pure idea generation phase and separate that from evaluation, it tends to breed more openness, more collaboration, because we're just coming up with ideas. We're just putting things out there. Here's how I see it. Here's how I feel. Here's my perception. Here's what I think could work here. Here's what I think could work there. And in the idea generation, um, in a sense, all ideas are equal. All uh and it, and we do the we save the evaluation for once we every member has felt i got i've been hurt yeah. and and so that's separation of generating ideas generating opinions to evaluating them yeah. um, when those are separated. It, it makes a big difference. Very often that's not the case. Someone will see an yeah. idea and someone says, well, that's not gonna work. That, yeah. That's yeah. not, you know, for yeah. X, Y, or Z. So that's gonna breed more of that competitive
1: sure. dynamic. And, and, and I absolutely love that. And I, I note it down because I'm definitely gonna start making that distinction to my client. Uh, we have about three minutes to close. And I know okay. that you and I often talk about uh, uh, frameworks or tools or things that people can use. Generally speaking, any recommendations or any uh, uh, suggestions you might have for uh, uh, what people can do to actually uh, get a better um, uh, management style of their emotions? And I know that the one that you said earlier, practicing in advance, it's an amazingly important one. Mm. Any others?
2: Well, you know, it's kind of know thyself. You know, it, 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 sometimes I'm sometimes struck by how unaware people are in the moment of what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any methodology and there are some um through um you know mindful awareness of what am I feeling, am I able to stop and check in what am I feeling? am I angry am I afraid am I anxious am i happy uh, am I tired you know I, I'm, as I say, struck often by how little people are aware in the moment of what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah agree. Uh, and the other thing I, I would say is is s- slowing things down. So yeah. often there's a sense of urgency, you know, I want to get this done, I want to solve this, I want to fix this, but we might have to make a decision, we need to make a decision. Um, if you're feeling any sense of urgency, 99% of the time it's, it's of your own creation. and and, and slowing things down allows you the time you need to really be in tune with all that you're feeling and not to judge how you're feeling, but simply be aware and and respect that feeling telling me something. It might be telling me I'm just hungry, you know, (laughs) and I need to eat. It might be telling me I didn't sleep well last night. Okay, whatever it might be, when I'm in the know, I'm I'm much more likely to be uh, in a better balanced place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Shaw, I hate to do this, but we almost at the end of the show. So I really hope that you uh, enjoyed being here uh, today well. because I absolutely loved it. I know that, uh, uh, the content of today, uh, would be used very well, uh, with a number of TAPS clients and obviously our listeners. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot now and ask you if you'd come back again, but I'm certainly going to try to do that. So thank you everyone, uh, Because there's more, we'll be back next Monday at uh, uh, 9 o'clock EST. And if you have any questions about today's show, please email me on lllis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. You'll find Dr. Scholl's uh, details on our website. Have a great week.
2: Thank you.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in, because there's more.